From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, October 3rd. The National Transportation Safety Board is investigating the cause of a plane crash that killed a North Dakota state senator and his family outside of Moab. State Senator Douglas Larson was piloting a single-engine Piper aircraft Sunday evening when the plane crashed shortly after takeoff in a remote area bordering Moab's airport. His wife Amy and two youngest children were passengers. A single-engine airplane impacted terrain under nighttime conditions. Sadly, the four occupants sustained fatal injuries. Fabian Salazar, air safety investigator with the NTSB, Friends and colleagues say the family was stopping in Moab to refuel after a trip to Scottsdale, Arizona. We have information that tells us that the uh, the occupants uh, landed at Canyonlands, got into a car, went into town, came back from town, um, and at some point did uh, take on fuel and then departed. Grand County Dispatch received word of the crash at approximately 8.30 p.m. Sunday night. First responders included local law enforcement, EMS, and Moab Valley Fire. Grand County Sheriff Jameson Wiggins calls the incident tragic. He says the loss of two children also made the response difficult on local personnel. Yeah, it's very it's sad, like I said, to the Larson family, but also for first responders. Sheriff Wiggins expressed condolences to the family and friends of the Larsons. He says he's been in near-constant touch with their relatives since Sunday night. I was on scene and try to provide the family with the most updates that I could at the time. I continue to stay in contact to this very second. The National Transportation Safety Board will release a preliminary report on the plane crash within two weeks. Air safety investigator Salazar expects to have a final report with probable cause within 18 months, depending on the complexities of the full investigation. He says they will be looking at a number of factors to determine what caused the crash. Uh, the NTSB, basically, uh, in dealing with the aviation accident investigations, uh, we look at three big areas. That's the man, the machine, and the environment. So we'll, uh, we'll examine the pilot's history, how long he's been flying, the hours that he's accumulated, his experience. We'll look at the aircraft, the maintenance history of the aircraft, and we'll also look at the weather. Salazar and others spent all day Monday on scene investigating the crash. They will be doing the same today, Tuesday, gathering more factual evidence. We're also conducting interviews, so if there's anyone out there who may have information they feel is important to the investigation, please contact the NTSB at witness at ntsb.gov. That's witness at ntsb.gov. Or contact the local sheriff's department. Larson was elected to the North Dakota Senate in 2020. After his death, colleagues draped a bouquet of roses above his nameplate in North Dakota's Senate chamber. History Colorado released a review of historic Native American boarding schools in the state this morning. As Clark Adamitis reports, the comprehensive review has new information about the Native American children who died at some of those schools. The report outlines systematic abuse, negligence, and criminal behavior of top administrators at federal Indian boarding schools in the state. And it offers detailed histories of the Fort Lewis boarding school near Durango and the Teller Institute in Grand Junction. 
Through archival research and geophysical examination of boarding school grounds, the study attempts to piece together the number of students who died at these schools. Many of them were never returned to their families and were buried on school grounds. The authors conclude there are an estimated 46 children buried at the Old Fort Lewis Cemetery, which far exceeds the number of deceased students listed in federal reports during the time these schools were active. It's unclear whether all of those children were students at the school. The report also says that at least 36 students died at the boarding school in Grand Junction, but it does not indicate how many students may have been buried there. I'm Clark Adamitis. Fall means it's hunting season for many residents in our region. One popular way to hunt and fish is to lease land from private property owners for a more one-of-a-kind experience. As the Mountain West News Bureau's Milwaukee reports, technology is changing the way people find these opportunities. Typically, we put a pit right on top of this little hill. Jesse Cecil is surveying his land in a Toyota pickup, looking for places to build hunting blinds. He lives on about 2,000 acres of rolling prairie in eastern Wyoming. He grows hay and ranches. That pays the bills, but for decades, hunting has earned the farm a few extra thousand dollars a year. Hunters come from the front range of Colorado or elsewhere to get geese and ducks. The blinds allow them to hide out before taking a shot. Especially if they're having a hard time and need to fill their freezer, they can come out and shoot all the, I don't know why anyone would want to eat a goose. (laughs) But they do, I guess. Cecil's land has canals and a pond, good water for ducks. Plus, it's right in the middle of a major flyway for snow geese. And there would be no way of counting them. So, and when they land, too, it's amazing to see them land in a field. They just, it looks like almost a white tornado of birds. For the past three years, Cecil has tried something new to attract hunters. Instead of having a grizzled neighbor hand him a wad of cash, He now uses an app. If you can check your email, you're good to go. Cecil signed up for Infinite Outdoors. It's like an Airbnb for people who hunt and fish. Or a shopping site. You can click on anything from ducks to elk to fish. And a map will show you opportunities in 12 states, including Utah, Colorado, and Wyoming. The cost can range from a few hundred bucks for ducks or fishing to over a thousand for elk or pronghorn. Sam Seaton is CEO of the company based in Casper, Wyoming. He started it with friends who wanted to fill a gap for people looking for that private land experience at a lower price. Most people are do-it-yourself hunters. They don't have $10,000, to to drop on a, on a guided hunt. And even if they do, some people like me, I'm honestly just too prideful at that point. I'm like, I know how to hunt. I just don't want to fight the, fight the crowds. On the app, they can view property reviews, pricing, and regulations. Once someone books, property owners get contact information and can customize what they offer. But even before a property owner signs up, they'll work with a biologist at Infinite Outdoors to make sure they're meeting conservation ideals. So if the landowner, one, doesn't have land that's good enough to to put on there, at least in our biologist's eyes, that doesn't have a sustainable amount of fish or game, it'll be dead in the water immediately. Landowners make money by opening up their property, and the app makes money through premium memberships and other fees. Since launching in 2020, Seton says the app has grown to thousands of users and has over a million acres signed up. 
You can actually go back to how it would be if you would have hiked into a high mountain lake and spent all this time getting to like your own little slice of heaven. Several other apps, from Land Trust to Outdoor Access, are doing something similar. Some state-run programs also connect private lands to people who hunt and fish. Lisa Nichols is with the GPS mapping company OnX. She says these connections are good for conservation and for keeping traditions alive. Even with all of the public land that exists in the West, there's this patchwork of land ownership. And um, for people to have opportunities to go hunting, uh, these walk-in programs are filling in those spaces on the map that would otherwise be off-limits. Jesse Cecil says he's met people through the app who have returned every year. He and his wife often cook lunch and bring it out to the blinds. He says Infinite Outdoors hasn't made him much more profit, but he sees the potential. He's thought about offering up more lucrative turkey or deer hunts, or even building a cabin so people could stay at the farm. It's fun to share this and educate people about what you do in ag, and it can be entertaining to answer some questions from more of the city guys or whatever. A lot of misconceptions about ag, too. Of course, if Cecil wants to offer hunts to that grizzled neighbor with a wad of cash, he still can. Now, he just has a whole new set of customers at his fingertips. I'm Will Walkie in Goshen County, Wyoming. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, October 3rd. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.